0: Hey, hey, this is Chase Masterson, host of Disco Nights, inviting you to join us every Sunday as the Disco Party continues with our fabulous guests. Like us. Like us. Like you. And you, our audience, so we'll see you here next Sunday night. Bring your disco shoes. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, co-host of Inglorious Trexperts. And if you're a fan of Battlestar Galactica, and who isn't, check out my new oral history of Battlestar Galactica with Ed Gross, So Say We All. It spans the complete history of Battlestar Galactica from the 1978 series to Ronald Moore's Brilliant Reinvention and even Galactica 1980. Available from Tor Books wherever books are sold. <laughs> Hey, this is Mark A. Altman.
1: And this is Darren Doctorman, and we are the inglorious Trexperts.
0: Take a
2: risk. Take a chance. Take a dare. Play the game of double dare.
3: With the host of Double Dare, Alex Trevet. We have over here a board with eight numbers on it. Eight clues to a person, place, or thing. You have to pick four clues, give them to the spoilers, and hope they don't know the right answer. Each time one of the spoilers misses, we pay you $100. If you can get all four clues, and we still have one spoiler who hasn't come up with the right answer, then you win the $5,000. And you've done that twice so far, right? right? Okay, so you've got to be feeling pretty confident. Let's look at the correct answer at the top star trek now that's a television show but for our purposes the subject is a title all right pick a clue you're going to have four passes to use also in case you don't want to give a clue to the spoilers pick a clue right now number seven the fans of this series are called trekkies you want to give that one or do you want to pass on
4: it? i think we better pass on that
3: okay the people in the audience agree with you you've used up one pass pick another number three An entire Princeton graduating class wrote to the network to protest its cancellation. Give it to us. They're saying give it, that doesn't sound too bad. All right, fine, let's bring the spoilers on. Spoilers, the subject is a title. Here is your first clue. An entire Princeton graduating class wrote to the network to protest its cancellation. We'll hear from Dr. Neri first. The $64,000 question. (laughs) No, you're wrong. Let's go to Dr. Lindenmeyer. Spoiler number two. Oh, Star Trek? You're right. That's $100 for you. You have just won $100. Okay, we'll go to spoiler number three. Dr. Baker?
0: Mannix. That is incorrect,
3: and that means you now have
0: $200. And have we got a show for you today? I don't know <laughs> if you're going to be as excited as I am, but I this is the greatest episode we've ever done. If you've listened to us before... You and know, and you've you've heard you've joined us on our
1: tour through the Trek universe. You'll know how wonderful
0: this moment. You know, is. people come up to me. And they say, "You know, why do you do this podcast?" You know, it's not like you can make money or do anything like that. It's for days like this that I do this <laughs> podcast, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. Um, it's just a, it's just extraordinary. It's an extraordinary story. Um, you know, you know, all year long we've been celebrating the 40th anniversary of Star Trek: The Motion Picture. And we talked about a couple of weeks ago the Star Trek the Motion Picture novelization and we talked about all the 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 the, the accompanying ephemera that came out at the time, you know, the McDonald's Happy Meal, uh the, 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 the costume book, uh the blueprints, all this fun. Uh and amongst and of course who could forget Walter Koenig's Chaco's Enterprise, we did a great show on that. It's a great book. Mm-hmm. Um, it was another book that came out shortly after the release of Star Trek the Motion Picture. But it's one wait- I- to talk about with us is of no no course, I, I'm going to get to who our guests are okay um, I just wanted to mention him yeah no, because I he forgot gets forgotten a lot he gets forgotten Forgetting. <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> yes so uh, among among those those incredible books uh, that came out that year seminal books books I picked up as a kid was was one book in particular and here to talk about that very special book uh, we have. Uh, he's a YouTube commentator. He is a writer, director, producer. Um, raconteur, And raconteur extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. Five-star rank-a-ture. Uh Mr. Robert Product. Welcome back, Rob.
2: Mark, you know, you've provided throughout my life a lot of amazing experiences. <laughs> now, I never thought there was a time in my life when I was 12 and Star Trek The Motion Picture had come out. And like you mentioned, there was all these books like the Star Trek Space Flight Chronology that had come out that I loved. But there was one book that challenged me. There was one book that put a huge gauntlet down right in front of me. It will challenge your intellect. It it was something that I never that I dove in and I thought, ah, for sure, I know my I know my trek. Mm. But I learned that the Star Trek puzzle book, not remember that, that book. one. <laughs> yeah, it was a different book. But I learned I was not who I thought I was. I learned I was not as great as I thought okay. I was. I learned my intellect was not as expanded as some of the intellectual beings non-corporeal beings that we'd met in the Star Trek universe. Well,
0: before we reveal who or what that might I'm be... I'm not going to reveal that. Okay. I'm just saying
2: that there was a time when, the, when that was put in front of me, and I thought for sure that was something I would never never need to, to, to have in my life, or, or of course I could surmount that, and I learned
0: differently. So I, I, have, to, I have to sort of lay the pipe for this, as, as the expression so to goes. Speak. So to speak, which is back in... I don't know, a couple of months ago, we had John Kim on the show. John Kim mm-hmm. from The Librarians, wonderful actor, uh, great personality. Um, uh, he was on What's Up with Dr. Spock. That was the episode. Right. And in it, um, we brought in a guest who had never seen Star Trek, wasn't familiar with it. We're curious, how could you, ne- even through osmosis, not know anything about Star Trek? And over the course of the show, we introduced him to Star Trek through trivia questions. And where did those trivia questions come from? They came from the definitive. Star Trek trivia book. Now, this is a book. It's called The Official Star Trek Trivia Book. Over 600 questions and answers, including photo questions. An old newsprint. You know, business before. not Everything black and white, no color. And in this book, it was the first time we talked about it. And we've talked about it many times since. Many times. Um, some, some good, some bad. But uh, uh, we talked about the man who authored this book, the great trivia master and self-identified or or, or identifying as a, a, a Organian, um, Rafe Needleman. Now, at the end of the show, Ashley Miller was our guest with John Kim. We were fascinated by this book and fascinated by this man, Rafe Needleman, um, a man who had the audacity to refer to himself as an Organian, who wrote this fantastic book uh, that we all, I mean, I'm holding Darren's book. My book is at home, but it was my book that we used at, uh, uh, for to quiz John Kim. Right. And it gave us, it gave us, you know, and we reached out. To, to, we attempted to reach Rafe Needleman. And we opened the hailing frequencies through Twitter and social media, unable to find him. Uh, Ashley was obsessed, and and through social media was able to determine that he was writing for some uh, very um, prestigious uh, business magazines. And we we thought, okay, well, you know, uh, business trade journals and Forbes and things like that. Or, but we didn't hear back. So we assumed, of course, you know, look, he wrote this almost 40 years ago p- clearly doesn't care about Star Trek might be embarrassed doesn't even want people to know that he did this book could have been a nom de plume it, for all we knew I mean a name like Rave Nealman it was very possible right and, and, and so we, it became a runner on the show we've talked about it many times right. well a couple months ago I, I get contacted through email and it's Rave Nealman and he says I heard what you said about me on the show <laughs> And uh, I said, oops. No, I said, <laughs> uh, I said well, and, and since then we have made plans to bring uh, Rafe down the show. He comes uh, from, uh, up from Northern California, so uh, he came down here especially to, to do the show. Um, and I cannot believe that sitting here with us today is the trivia master, the organian, the very good sport most of all, uh, <laughs> Rafe Needleman. Rafe, welcome to Glorious Treks, friends.
4: Thank you. What an honor it
0: is to be here, especially after all the things
4: you said about me.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because we were very genuflecting, you know, and then when we didn't hear anything back, it got a little more... Well, you know, so, that's what happened.
4: <laughs> I, I got to tell you, that my introduction was not you guys reaching out to me. I was commuting to work and I'm listening to this podcast in the car. It's the first time I would heard this podcast and I'm only listening to it because it had shown up in some list as science fiction podcasts actually worth listening to right Right. and I have a really long commute so I'm in the middle I'm on 280 driving it it's stuck in traffic and there's and listen to the podcast and this but can you answer this question from and they're and I'm like no they're not going no that was too long ago Rafe Needleman I'm like
5: that's me oh my god that's me
4: I
1: believe there's a word for that. It's called kismet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes.
4: <laughs> I mean So true. that's when I sent the note to you. It's like, uh, I am Rafe Needleman. We need to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's right. hilarious.
2: Exactly. I mean, I'm sitting here. I, I, I can't think of you as somebody other than you stepped in front of my great interest in my life, and you just stood up and said, I know more about Star Trek than you. <laughs> By uh-huh. writing this book, I was like, who is this person? I was 12, admittedly. Yeah. And I'm like, "Who? who? You dare? Mm-hmm. And then, of ah! course- I was not an Organian after going through your book. I, I, there were questions I didn't answer correctly, and I felt resentful of you. And it's been resent for the better part of
4: thirty-eight years. We can settle this like men, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I, 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 bow to you, the Organian. Well,
2: I He's have sitting to tell before you. Us today.
0: I mean, and I've said this before that you know one of my first memories of um, being a Star Trek fan I was very young. I was watching the Hundred Thousand Dollar Pyramid. And, uh, or, you know, what, what yeah, I think it was a hundred thousand dollar pyramid at the time. And, uh, one person, the, 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 they were an expert on Star Trek. They were Star Trek. Expert. Mm-hmm. So of course I was like, Oh, oh my, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they got through three or four questions and then they said, you know, what is the name of the ship that Matt, you know, Commodore Matt Decker commands? And they're, they're the I'm like, Constellation. And this guy on the show was like, uh... I'm like, seriously, you're not, you're not, you can't answer this. You don't belong on this show. Yeah, you know, and 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 he got it wrong, and he was off the show. I'm like, and it, so it didn't go very lo- long. The Star Trek category. I was like, really, I was a little depressed. And then this book came out, and I'm like, now this is a man who understands Star Trek trivia, who knows, and and you know, of course, he I, I, I love it. My copy, much like yours, is very dog-eared. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously read it as a lot of a lot as a kid. And, you know, as we told John, depending on your trivia IQ, your Star Trek IQ, you could either be a Navian slime devil, which is what John <laughs> Kim is. Um, and, and, you know, or if you're like Rafe Nealman, you get to be an Organian. Somewhere in between are Tribbles, Klingons, Romules, Andorians, humans, Telosian. No. Who are making a comeback, apparently, Vulcans. Mm-hmm. Mark, uh,
1: open open the front cover of
0: that. You will see yes. written in pencil. Oh, my gosh. Yes, indeed. I, I will show it to Rafe. Let's see. Darren Doctorman, Vulcan. With oh, a score, with my number seventeen thirty-six.
4: Yeah, wow! wow. Your trivia number—that's my trivia number. That's, yeah, that's, trivia that's number. pretty impressive.
2: So I, I, I guess, if I can start out, how yes. did this
0: come to be? Absolutely. How did you? I mean, were, did you have a, a relative that got you into well, this? How did it happen? He has an amazing story, so I can't wait to hear it because you, you started to share it with me, and I said, Let, "No, let's wait until we talk about it on the show." But this is almost as incredible as us connecting with him, how you ended up, you know, in 1980, writing, or 1979, writing this book. So yeah. tell us a little bit about the history of this. It was for pocket books. Pockets had just gotten the Star Trek license. They did this line as we Not talked much about. much of it, if you can tell by the cover. Like, <laughs> like the, f- the font choices are a little dodgy. Yeah. And there's no picture on the cover. Right. There's right. no... Unlike the beautiful edition you're yeah. holding, the, which uh, is the...
4: The book club edition which, uh, like, I don't know when it came out, but it wasn't with that, because mm-hmm. I,
0: I never saw this until many years later. So the, the Sci-Fi Book Club, yeah. every month they put out exclusive hardcover editions of different mm-hmm. books, and uh, you know, they, they did the official Star Trek trivia book, and, and it's a gorgeous book. I mean, if you can find it on eBay, I know I'm No, gonna...
4: just leave it there for me. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
0: so, um, so, tell us the tale. Yeah, tell us, okay. your captain. No. Well,
4: you know, we're... Of the same generation, mm-hmm. so I was also a child when I did this book, and uh, my uh, my father's an author; the, he writes philosophy books. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother is the one who got me into Star Trek when I was a kid. We were left alone a lot, me and my sister, so we watched Star Trek all the freaking time, right. right? And it was the point; it was like she's liked it, I loved it. My mom's science fiction nut. I had all the, the what are those science fiction magazines that they had it in the you know seventies. The I can't even remember the name right and a Those are the magazines. No, I mean the the story magazines. Analog. Analog, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I Isaac the, Osmo Science Fiction right. Magazine. I, eat, I ate those things up. I watched Star Trek all the time. My sister and I, you know, within like a nanosecond of a show showing up on our little teeny black and white TV was Omega like, sure. Glory. Yep. You know, we totally nailed it, right? You know what I'm talking about. And it was a summer. There was a summer coming up and I didn't know what to do with myself and I, I guess I was talking with my dad or my mom or something and it's like, it's you're thirteen, it's time for you to write a book, son. Uh-huh. <laughs> or something like that. Uh-huh. So uh my father's agent, who normally handled philosophy tomes, was like, sure, I'll rep him and uh got me the contract with uh Simon Schuster. Um and I spent the summer uh writing watching all the episodes. At
0: thirteen years old. Yes. So you're Doogie Hauser of Star Trek. <laughs> now the um
4: yeah, I yeah. But this does, this does not come from memory. Right,
0: right. right because it's worth right. saying, no. there's no videotapes. There's nothing. Right. You actually have to watch the episodes as they air. There's no way to... And the Museum there, of TV and Radio only had Where No Man Has Gone Before. If you, because I was a kid, I used to go there to watch it. That's all they had in the collection.
4: So there was no TiVo. There was just, you know, at the appointed time, you'd turn on the television, you watch the show. Mm-hmm. And there were the scripts. Uh, right. Yeah. So my mom and I took a trip. To LA, and I forget what
0: the operation where was. Where from? Were you up in the Bay Area? I've, at the time, I've been in San Francisco my whole okay, life. Okay.
4: Uh, so we come down to LA, uh, and I do, do not remember the name of the place where you could buy scripts, but there was some Star hmm. Trek outlet or some one of the, you know, all these crazy storefronts. But Larry Edmonds
0: sold at Hollywood Book and Poster, obviously Lincoln Enterprises. Lincoln so. Enterprises. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
4: That was the catalog of my dreams mm-hmm. so when I was a kid. <laughs> um, and we, we put 79. Scripts with, <laughs> in boxes ah. in the rental car and somehow managed to schlep them back up to San Francisco after, of course, my mom locked us out of the rental car. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I still have those scripts in my basement at home. For all 79 right. episodes. Now, here's the thing. Uh, yes. Um, I didn't know this when I was 13 years old, but the script and what airs... Different. It's sometimes a little different. Yeah. And this is from the scripts. Right. Mostly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that was the summer. That was my, my uh, misspent summer, just sitting down Gone with a box of index cards and writing questions out longhand.
0: I mean, wow. and there's quite a, a, a number of questions. I think, yeah, here, it's listed. You have 703 questions in this book. Two scripts a day. Out of 79 episodes, you have 70, 700, over 700 questions.
2: I mean, I had a paper route. <laughs> you were writing <laughs> your paper the ultimate up probably, Star Trek
0: trivia tome.
4: Your paper up probably paid better. Yeah. <laughs> <I laughs> Do you it. remember
0: <laughs> how much of an advance you got for it? Do you remember? I'll tell you what. Um, the
4: single digit the advance, I don't know if it was the thousand bucks or in the low single thousands. Mm-hmm. I never made the, the, uh, the advance back. Right, well. right. But considering my grades, it did get me into college.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. That was a big thing on your college application. I'm the author. I'm an organic. I'm a published <laughs> author. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
4: I mean, I believe it helped because yeah. I know how well I did in high school and it wasn't very.
0: Right. So That's wild. Yeah. Well, you were published pocketbook, Simon Schuster. It's right. a big imprint. Yeah. Um, you wrote an introduction to this book. Oh, my God. And... I,
4: I like to think I've <laughs> matured as a writer a little bit since then.
0: Among <laughs> the many needs of this planet such as a way to feed all humans in the quest for universal peace, lies the need for ultimate personal Star Trek rating system. This ideal system, which has not existed until now, would not discriminate against race, sex, DNA, structure, or home planet. He's ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. To this end, I've devoted the past year to writing as a service to all humanity <laughs> the official Star Trek trivia book. This test should only be taken if Star Trek has entered into your life and you want either to shove it out or to embed it even more deeply this is wonderful that's my father the wise
4: ass that remark well you know <laughs> he was a
0: philosopher Yeah. Um, and now you do point in your mind that this, the animated Star Trek is not the book it's not canon although a good many of the episodes were excellently written and well produced there were some irreconcilable contradictions with the live action Trek I needn't mention more examples in reel-to-reel tape recorders on the Enterprise and Pink Tribbles now, since I'm using the titles of the episodes for reference, I'm including the following pages a short summary of each episode, if only to refresh your memory. As mentioned earlier, your Star Trek intelligence will probably fall somewhere between that of Organians and the Denevian Slime Devil. And then you outline the, the thing, and as you make your way through these intergalactic pages, remember the immortal words of Calus the unforgettable. It matters not whether you win or lose, as long as you do better than your friends. <laughs> Rafe <Ralph> Needleman.
5: <laughs> That's not canon. Can,
4: can <laughs> I, speaking of uh, the, um, so I, one of the most interesting projects for this book, I remember, was writing the uh, the plot summaries, mm, right? Trying to get them all into a small number of pages. Sure. And I want to point out one thing that I that another gasping moment that I had listening to this show when you were talking about uh, who mourns for Adonaius. Mm-hmm. What would I call the episode there?
0: Oh, who mourns for Adonis?
4: Throughout the book, every time I refer to the episode, and it wasn't, you know, 40 years later, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to look it
0: up and... What, was fun. it inaccurate in the, on the script or was it just I really you... doubt it. Right. Okay. I, really,
4: I think it was just me just like, you know, yeah, sure. filling in... Well, at least she
0: didn't say Adidas.
2: Um. <laughs> no, I, I think that was a common. <laughs> it, it was mistake. absolutely. I, I thought it was because Adonis. We as kids, you'd heard Greek the name. We right. sure, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. never heard the word. It was. It wasn't. It, it, it was funny. I remember discovering that, and I looked at the word once. I think yeah. I was watching the episode. And I'm like, that's not how Adonis is right. is spelled. Right. And I had to go back in and look look it up and and realize. And this was decades in. I was yeah, probably in right. my 20s. Yeah. And I'd been calling the episode the wrong thing the whole time. And, and so would everybody else I'd known. Yeah, right. but you
0: don't need to feel embarrassed because you got Requiem for Methuselah, right? So if right. you can get that right, <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you know, okay. it's, it's fine. Um, but you did mention to me, you mentioned during our conversations, that um, there are a couple mistakes. A couple?
4: Yeah, there are. Well, not, not just the, the, the live script in um, discontinuities, but there are some other. I was getting letters for years, I'm sure. From from people like us, maybe from some of you. It's like, you got on page 43, you know, this Um yeah.
1: After looking through this very carefully, yeah. I've determined that there are some lacking pages, and here they are. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's certain yeah.
0: sort of guys who are very OCD, who are, like, sure. very obsessive. Like, you know, I would just brush it off as, like, okay, it's a typo, big yeah. deal. You know, it's like... It, but people, like, get really hung up on, mm-hmm. on stuff. I mean... You know, you can be, it's really <laughs> sci fi fans are very. I'm curious, did anyone at Simon Schuster vet the book? Like, did
2: you have any, did the, the legal Who department? marched
4: for Adonis made it through,
0: right? That's, that's all but you nobody, need to know. Nobody, like,
2: you wrote that. Like, it, it, now, of course, everything regarding Star Trek right. has to be vetted and combed over by, by lawyers, multiple lawyers. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that you you. This is such a great story about how your dad and got you this agent, and you wrote this book. But nobody ever came. Like, well, did you get a f- free ticket to the premiere of Star Trek: The Motion Picture? Did <laughs> Did anybody like go? Good job, kid. You're 13, and you just wrote a book.
4: Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember any of that. There was some pl- stupid publicity fu- shots of me taken. I was trying to find them before I came down here, but they lost uh, okay. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really embarrassing. I had my entire <laughs> Star Trek paraphernalia collection laid out in front of me <laughs> and the posters in the background, you know, and I still have a lot of that stuff nice. hidden in the closet. So funny. Um, Did m- Simon Schuster know you were 13? I don't know. Mm. They, they must have when they saw the pictures. Um, but <laughs> but I, I, the only thing I remember about it that was frustrating and in, in all the legal stuff was dealt with by the grown-ups. Sure. You know, they just said, go write your thing, was that... The photos in the book—the only photos I could use were of the main cast because they right. didn't have rights to the guests. Right. That's the only thing that's like, mm. why can't I use? Right. Yeah. You know, right. Oh. Okay. Yeah.
2: It still doesn't make sense. Now, yeah. what was it like? Did you get a box of books? What was? What was the first time you actually held the book a book in question. your hand? That's a good question.
4: When you're an well, you guys are all. How, how many of you have written books here? Well, I have. Yeah. You yeah. know, when you get the first, when you get the galley, then when you get the book, it's like. It's amazing.
5: Yeah,
0: I no matter. matter it never, I, I it never say every iteration, and when yeah. you actually get the um, the actual book arrives for the yeah. first time, it's it's fantastic. It's, but I mean, it used to be the case for you know when the Cinefantastic fantastic articles would come out. Remember one time we were in Vegas, and I had him FedEx them to me at the hotel in Vegas. Just I couldn't wait to get it the second it came off press. Well,
2: even when I wrote for you for Sci Fi Universe, getting the issue of the magazine with your byline, yeah. I had the experience last year. I wrote an essay that's in the first book I ever wrote an essay in. And it's the same thing. When you got the book, it's like a 500-page book and it's really thick and it's heavy and it, I didn't even know it was coming in the mail and you open it up and it's like, oh my God. Mm. But what was it like for you as a kid to walk into amazing. a bookstore yeah. and see your book
4: in the... Every book I'd go, every store I'd go into, I would see if they had my book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I found it, I did what my father taught me to do because he is also an author, is you take it from the shelf and you make sure that instead of it being spine-facing out, right. it's cover-facing oh, out. Oh yeah, I do that too. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but- well, Mikey, kid- kids will attest to that one of the really sad things is that you know of course you know you do a book and that you you get a box and uh so we got the box or two yeah um and then you give them away and you still have a box left and then when I was a kid in San Francisco we rented so we moved a lot and in one of those moves we lost the box Mm. I have like three copies of this book left that's it
0: wow so don't buy them on eBay let him corner the market on these um And, you know, this must have been a nice bar mitzvah present, too. Yeah. Um, So acknowledgments, um, very nice acknowledgments. You thank your father for his help in getting it published. Um, I like this Judy Barkin, whose bionic fingers got the book typed, because, of course, you were 13, and we didn't have computers. Um, Your sister, you're grateful to her for a few wild and zany ideas along the way. And uh, you you talk about Now, here you talk about, I don't know if you remember, my good friend, Duncan Parlett. Are you Mm -hmm. still friends with Duncan I haven't talked to him in years. Okay. Hey, for his help with the folian web, how did he help with the folian I web? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> we probably watched it together on some, mm-hmm. you know. Come on, he helps friendly. spin it. Yeah. <laughs> He's and, uh, right. with you. and then this is great. And my ninth grade French teacher, Mrs. Rutherford, <laughs> Rutherford, who taught me the terribly complicated French needed for the answer to question number 420, I'm looking may up right all now. of the above live long and prosper. Yes, tell us what question 420, 420. is. And let's see if we can answer it. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking it up. 420. Are we Denebian slime devils or are we Delosians? Jeez, that's right. <laughs> what is
4: Gary Seven the code name for in Assignment Earth? That's Supervisor One Nine Four. That doesn't make that no, sense.
0: No, it does. Superni- Supervisor One Nine Four. Let's see. If, let's go to the videotape and see if we're correct. But that
1: isn't has nothing to do with French. Oh,
0: you're right.
5: Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. God,
1: obviously,
4: mistake God, God, God <laughs> after forty years.
0: Somehow they got out of sync. We're copy editing the book forty years <laughs> later. <laughs> I wonder if we can find the original uh files, but. uh well, I, all I can say is I hope in 40 years people are still talking about my books. I just want to say that. Right. I mean, this is uh, – I mean, the fact is we all have this, and we well, still yeah. have it. How the hell did you remember that? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Our... Inglorious glorious <laughs> so,
4: you know, Registered trademark. So you you hit on something uh, <laughs> earlier on when you, you said maybe he didn't want to be found because he was embarrassed. There was a time, you know, when I was in college, mm-hmm. you know, after I got into the college that the book helped mm-hmm. make happen right. – before next
1: generation.
4: Yes. Next generation, every mm-hmm. I would I, my, we had a VCR at the house in San Francisco, and I'm in college in Oregon, and my mom had to record every episode, and when I came home on breaks, it was like, don't talk to me, I'm watching next generation. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um I didn't want anybody to know about this. I was mm-hmm. trying to reinvent myself as you do in college. She's I was right. not the nerdy science fiction Star Trek geek. I was Nine. trying to be the cool kid. The, yeah.
0: Didn't work. So, you know, you go go back to type, and now, look, here I am. Wow. That's so funny. But, yeah, I mean, we saw, like, you know, some of the magazines were, you know— writing for and and everything and, you know, a prestigious bond. We thought, okay, maybe, you know, he doesn't want – we didn't think you were 13 years old when you wrote it. But, uh, you know, we thought, okay, maybe he doesn't want to acknowledge this a long time ago and people outgrow this, not us, but people outgrow it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, maybe he just doesn't, you know, want to – because, you know, Ashley was like – persistent uh, you know he would not you know he he was tweeting and doing and we didn't hear back and you know obviously we went to uh in that episode a couple of weeks ago Trivial Pursuit right. because we're like we haven't heard from Rafe we're giving up on the, the <laughs> trivia book we're gonna go to do Trivial Pursuit instead um which that had mistakes more mistakes of course and um
5: but not nearly right.
0: as entertaining, and not no. nearly as organistic as uh, as the trivia book. <laughs> um, okay, well, you know, you've well, all been waiting for this. I, I moment. Just, you know,
1: I loved this book when I got it. It was it was a different from Rob. My experience was, I knew more of this stuff than I thought I did. Ah, right.
5: Mm.
1: <laughs> that my brain had been so ruined by that time and so taken up by useless trivia of Star Trek that I was very pleasantly surprised at, at how
2: I was able to do. Well, I mean, look, I was just kidding. I, 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 I getting a, It was so much fun to have that because I, I don't think there had been a Star Trek... Trivia book published.
0: No, this, at this was the point. First uh-huh. yeah. It, it was, was the only the puzzle one. book, but the puzzle book was like mazes, right? And yeah, yeah. connect the dots. I saw, when I
4: saw that on a bookshelf, I was like, "Oh my god, somebody's come after me!" And I was looked at. Right. It's like I'm safe. I'm yeah. good for a while. Yeah, but then no, it was yeah. Uh,
2: but what was so great about that book is it was also a reference book. Even though it was trivia, it was still you were still it made you think about the episodes, and it brushed mm-hmm. up on uh, you brushed up on what you knew. And and I'm curious. I mean, what? How how is Star Trek? Does it still mean what it meant to you as a child? Like we, of course, as Mark just said, we haven't given up. Today is William Shatner's birthday, 88th birthday. When we, when we were recording when we the day this, we and and how has Star Trek? You talked about watching Next Generation in college, mm-hmm. and we were just talking about the Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. Has Star Trek been something that you outgrew?
4: No, it's it it is. It's made me who I am, mm-hmm. you know, in so many ways that I I don't think about it day to day. But now that you ask. I mean, I my god. It's everything, right? Mm. You know, it was, you know, the time with my sister mm. watching the show, you yeah. know, bonding with my mother over science fiction, uh talking about the issues with my 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 dad the philosopher mm-hmm. um and, and your agent and my right. <laughs> and then, you know, I went into tech journalism, right? Mm-hmm. And f- I've always loved science science fiction, technology, and I've loved writing cuz that's my whole family's bunch of writers. Uh, it's we've got ink in our veins, and the two just came together, and it was like, "Oh my god, I found my calling!" And now that I'm like comfortable in my own skin, I'm out. You know, it's sure I'm completely proud of 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 this, and um, I'm trying as much as I can to bring uh, the knowledge and the sensibility—not just the knowledge of trivia and and, and, right. and stuff like that—but but the sensibility and the hope uh, into my work right. and into my life. There's a project I'm the working on. The joy. Yeah. yeah. And, and Star Trek in particular because of the optimistic view of the future and humanity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I love me some dark science fiction and uh, anti-heroes Breaking Bad, Black Mirror, and stuff sure. like that. But for so many people today, science fiction is it's only that. Dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. miserable. And I I love these shows. They speak to me in a way. But that's not the science fiction that I know. Right. And i it's, it's always been about, what if we had, you know, smart computers? What if we had a way to do this other, you know, to go faster than light, to uh, uh, you know, transport ourselves through the air, right. um, all, this, all this stuff? Uh, you can tell incredible stories that are really about who we are, if you have this optimistic outlook. Sure. Well, as a tech journalist, if I can
2: ask you one more question, uh, we we talk about the nature of technology and yeah. how we've watched the rise of social media and now we've got yeah. AI and we've yeah. got deep learning. Because of Star Trek, do you feel that our future is, as a race, humanity, do you think that we have a... a are you optimistic about our technological future?
4: Uh... I I am optimistic because I prefer to be cuz mm. otherwise it's just, what's the point yeah. you can you can go really dark with this and we're going to be slaves to the machine and it's the matrix and it's horrible or you can choose to be optimistic and say that either we will find a way to use this technology for good or you can go off in the really screwball direction which I tend to do when you know by myself which is you know the future of who we are as humans, is not just biological evolution, right? You know, a good Borg, mm-hmm. right? A good, a good Borg. Borg, right?
0: Well, yeah. you know, now that we've these deeply cerebral yeah. Yeah. and heady questions, <laughs> Sorry. I have a question. <laughs> question number five hundred eighty-seven, in fact. <laughs> in Charlie X, what reason does Charlie give for shorting out the Enterprise's subspace radio? Anyone?
5: <laughs> hmm.
0: I'm trying to remember that. Well, you're looking in the book. That's not remember. I, I think
1: I remember. Oh, wow. Yes, Darren? I think he said, we don't need that subspace chatter. Wow. Oh, my
4: God. He's good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, you're good.
4: You're good. If it were not for the errors in the book, you probably would be an Arganian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is, uh, that's wild. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, <laughs> we know where this is going. Uh, <laughs> uh, did, um... I got to ask you, I mean, after the success of this book, um, clearly you sold three books. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, right. It, my, my question is, uh, did you ever consider revisiting it, doing a subsequent volume, or maybe when Next Generation came out, when you were in college, approaching Pocket about doing a follow-up version once there were a diff- uh, new iterations of Star Trek?
4: Uh, I never got into anything but the original series and to the same depth. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said... In college and after, I was trying to start a distance Go something. go in a different direction, yeah. and there were plenty of other quiz books coming out sure. at the time. So, it's not like yeah. I had a deep relate. Not like not like I was in Simon and Schuster stable. Sure, you know. Sure. Um, but I would have loved to at some point. I did take it personally, despite the fact that I was on the one hand trying to go in my own direction. On the other hand, every time I saw a quiz book come out, I was like, "That's mine. Mm-hmm. That's right. my franchise. That's right. Your <laughs> corner of the universe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep."
1: It's interesting. But you know, before we uh, connected with you, I had no idea that you were 13 years old when you did this. I think at the time, if I'd known that, I would have hated your guts. <laughs> because here, here's why I get it. Because a a few years later, there was an official Star Wars trivia book yeah. written by this this kid named Rusty Miller, yeah, yeah. who unfortunately put his picture on the back of it, and he was this you know like 11 year old kid at oh, the time. Yeah? And I hated his guts. We all hated that kid. (laughs) Who do you think you are? You know, trying to trying to, you know, pull off your great knowledge about Star Wars. And, you know, I I aced that book too, but it's not the point. The point was who do you think you are? What are you trying to any (laughs) any of my friends any of my friends know all this stuff, you smart ass jerk.
4: So your career is one big revenge
0: you know it could be Yeah, it could you know, be what he should have put as his author bio is a picture of a giant cloud an or energy an cloud or an affirmation and so you yes. know. I prefer to think of it as an affirmation I like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, you know I think it should have been like Airborne's picture and it's about the author and, it's just and if Rusty big...
1: Miller is out there I don't really hate you
0: anymore it's okay he's gotten over <laughs> it no. uh, you know it's, it's so funny too because you talk about you know how much work it was to do this book you know somebody writing this book now would be so easy you just go on the internet or yeah. you know you go on Netflix and watch mm-hmm. the yeah. episodes and yeah. Yeah. you know they could write it in two days you know well. you had to spend a year writing this book
4: yeah it 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 was a slog, you know. Mm. It was like I said, two scripts a day until I was done. And then when yeah. I fin- fin- finally fin what was the last uh wait, wait, wait. With the swap body episode. Uh-huh. Last turnabout about, and Turn about and yeah. yeah. You know how depressing it was to end on that episode. <laughs> yes. Oh,
5: we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean
4: to finish to go through all the scripts in order yeah. and then the f- <laughs> finally finish turnabout trigger is like, well, I'm done. It's like, damn. Yeah. Um it was a slog, but you know, just Going through and, and and picking out, you know, factoids and writing them down is uh, it is not a it, it wasn't that difficult. It was just a lot of work. True. And doing it live, when I did a couple of episodes, when I I would go through and I would watch the show, and since I couldn't stop and rewind, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was impossible. Yeah, that just yeah. didn't work. So you're right. Now anybody could do it by just play rewind, play yeah. rewind. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Now, did you know? Uh, you know. You benefited from the fact that Pocket had this license, and yeah. it was in the in the wake of Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yeah. Was that part of your decision to do this? Did you know that this big event, this momentous event, Star Trek coming back, did that factor into your desire to write this book at all? Yeah, and the timing. It, yeah, the, the really good timing. You I mean, mean,
4: was was I strategic about yeah, marketing you mean, were and all you aware that? Of Not at that at thinking,
2: all. I could put this book out because Pocket's got a new contract. Simon and mm-hmm. Schuster has a new contract. A new Thirteen movie years old. Out. Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah okay. Right. Getting the getting a chance to write. A book. What maybe the agent knew it and was mm-hmm. and was you know right. playing it that
2: way. So it was sort of serendipitous that you yeah. did it when it just happened to work
0: out well, that way. And and yeah. tell us you know what it was like for you because obviously you're a fan. There's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up having yeah. watched the show with your your sister. Yeah. Um, what it was like seeing Star Trek the motion picture for the first time for you?
4: Uh, yeah. That it was. It was, you know, it was reverent, right? You know, finally, it's like after all these years, and the no more pink tribbles. It's actually, right. you know, yeah. uh, it was amazing. And um, I don't know if I liked it or not. I don't think that was relevant. It was <laughs> right. just, it was. Oh my God, they're back! Yeah. Yeah. right. You know, and that that three-hour pan and zoom around the Enterprise was the best thing in the
0: world. Yeah, I, agree. <laughs> I agree too. You know? well, obviously that's something we can all agree on. Um it's so it's so interesting because you know, here 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 you were. You were part of what was a big publishing program. I remember getting uh, this newsletter in the mail from Timescape and Pocket, where they would, they had a Star Trek the Motion Picture quarterly newsletter mm-hmm. that they would send out. But I remember pushing the publishing program with all the books, you know, of which this was one. You were part of a big part of Star Trek it's, history.
4: There weren't a lot of books out there when when I did this. There were the James Blish novels, sure, mm-hmm. which I I also devoured, and by those also do not
5: align. absolutely, right, absolutely. They were based on the, the Unreal well. McCoy, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
4: and the novels. Uh, the, what's um. Spock, oh, Spock Messiah. Messiah
0: oh, Spock God. Must die, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, you're taking me back now. This is good. Well, Spock Messiah has a whole new meaning these days. Yeah.
2: yeah. Spock Messiah, the Wars World. See- I
1: remember seeing the display yeah. for this in the store. It was a, a cardboard standee, and it had a box with, with, the, with the books oh, in it. Oh, it was like an end cap. Yeah, I remember yeah. it. No, it wasn't an end cap. It was yeah. like-
4: With this book or other with books?
1: this book. This book, Wow, I remember it because of the colors. They didn't even tell me any of this stuff. Mm. (laughs) No, of course. (laughs)
0: Publishers are awful. Yeah, Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, my last book, The Galactic Book, I mean, it's just like.
1: You're just content.
0: I believe,
4: now I'm an editor now. So uh, believe me, I know how to take advantage of a writer. (laughs) <laughs> learned the hard way. <laughs> but, you know,
0: editors are very different than publicity and marketing. Yes. It's just like, I mean, you know, you have these these big conference meetings where you lay out exactly the way it should be right. done, and then they completely ignore you. Um, <laughs> but It's not like you're the expert on the subject, and they're not. Um,
2: <laughs> I, I still can't
0: get over, like, it, 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 would you remember?
2: Like, I can't imagine what it was like to be 13 and hold a book that you'd written in your hand. There, like, about you, a
0: subject you love. Oh, yeah. Did you right. like
2: the cover though? There was no picture of the Enterprise on it. It was just text. Did well, that it, disappoint you, or did you did you did it matter?
4: It mattered. I loved the fact that I that I did a thing. Here is the thing that yeah. I did. An yeah. yeah. right. yeah. Immense feeling of pride. Unbelievable. And it has never been so high in my life. Mm-hmm. Right. But leading up to that, there was there was a lot of discussion about the cover, and as there always is with a book, mm-hmm. and I wanted not that.
5: Yeah. Right. I wanted
4: right. at least the right typeface, right. Yeah. which yeah. They, for some reason they didn't have the license
0: to either. I don't know who.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, is which very which intern did font. that title? Yeah. I mean, that um,
0: cover. I mean, you know, this orange, pinkish uh, Star Trek. A, but this fifth, is
4: that's a fifth color, man. That pops off the shelf. That w- costs right. them extra.
0: What's that's interesting right. about this <laughs> is that. it it seems much more aligned with what a quiz book would be as opposed to a Star Trek book. Because there are a lot of these type of quiz books at the time and, you know, even the the, the digest size format and, uh, you know, look at the cover price is $2.25.
1: Not inexpensive.
0: Yeah, not not not, that not not expensive, but it very much seems to be like in keeping with what a trivia book would be. Like, you know, because trivia books were very popular at the time. I, yeah.
4: I had the feeling I had, a couple of years later when you know I started to grow up a little bit that they were they were they were just getting the program started, you Absolutely. know, to, to do the Star Trek books and they didn't really know what they were doing with this one. Yep. Um, which is okay with me because maybe if they did, they would have hired somebody else. But right. um well, they had, just, they, been, yeah. they had
1: just gotten the license. Oh, okay, yeah. They
4: had just gotten the license, and the
1: first thing they released was the novelization of the movie. Right. And, of course, they had all the graphics from the movie to use on that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so
2: this being not related to the movie, actually, right. they didn't know which way to go. Yeah. Well, there's another book that came out that penguin put out called Star Trek speaks mm-hmm. that's a digest it's a bigger it's a bigger book that has a cover do you remember that it's it's yes. only quotes from the show yeah. organized by yes. philosophy in mm-hmm. Star Trek and it was it has a purple cover not that's more blue mm-hmm. but it was kind of the same thing yeah it didn't have the multicolors but it said Star Trek speaks it was very similar to that and i remember thinking that the the books were of a piece like the they were family. similar yeah. yeah they were part of the whole like oh i get it this is more of the they're they're treating star trek as a kid cuz i bought every star trek book that came out this was more of the uh a a an intellectual exercise about star trek they had the trivia book and then they had the philosophy book mm-hmm. and they
0: kind of went together, at least in my mind, that's how mm-hmm. I Well, I mean, it's saw. interesting because when we talked to Walter he talked about how they didn't put his book out until 1980 mm-hmm. because they had Susan Sackett's making of Star Trek coming right. out in 79 and they didn't want to step on that because mm-hmm. it was Gene and Susan's book um, So, you know, this came out in 1980, but it was all part of that Star Trek The Motion Picture yeah, Publishing right. program um, of which there were many, many books um, So I assume that th- there was the one printing and never went back in print, It was, it was...
4: That was that one, and the and the book club. Yeah, edition, and and, and, and it. It.
0: it's not available digitally or anything. I mean, no, I've it. looked and looked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, it's it's again, it's it's a rare treat if you're an owner of this book. And I, I look, I think it's very interesting also that we all own our, we still have our copies after yeah. all these years. You know, <laughs> I mean, we held on. I mean, how many times we moved? You came from, uh, you know, you've been in Chicago, you've been in, in the East in, Coast, in, in, East yeah. Coast, and you know, Rob from Seattle, me from uh, New York. Uh, and we all have our copies of uh, this you know forty years later and uh it 's really' it 's remarkable I mean this book you did when you were thirteen years old um it obviously resonated i mean I remember you know doing questions with friends you know where we quizzed each other from the from the quiz book um, you know it's, it's' the whole this whole thing is crazy <laughs> you know I, I, I
4: got to say um. There, there's. I, I, I imagine you guys all went through this, there, this period of, you know, as as kids, you know, you absorb this world and you want to be in this world and it's your escape from reality world. And then you grow up, go to college, at least I did, and, you know, you try to find yourself again and you think that, you know, that nerdy person is, I'm going to move on of oh, nice. something else. And then for me, you know, I, I grew up and I, I started to own this. And to find that there are other people who are not just feel the same way about this in in a way that is integrated into their lives and 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 isn't the you know working behind the counter in the comic book shop in your fifties thing, uh, but you have lives and you are actually working on Star Trek, the franchise, all of it, right. um, And taking care of it—that's what I hear when I listen to the show, and it's. It's so, it's so great to hear that there are people who are working on the show. I mean, I, I know not everybody who works on Star Trek, treats it with the same reverence, that ever, that that you guys do. But it's just so good to, to hear that people actually like it, who like their jobs. It's going uh, no, to I mean, say that. It's just, I mean, it's, 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 it's great
0: to, me. to hear. You know, Michael Sussman, where he talks about you know working on Enterprise was like mm-hmm. the highlight. Particularly that fourth season with the Organians uh, was one of his you know the highlights of his uh you know, career and he went on and created, you know, a hit show for TNT. That was not as exciting for him as working on Star Trek. You know, we talk about Robert Wolf, all these people. Uh, you know, uh Lisa, you know, to have the chance to work on Star Trek. And of course, you know, when I think back twenty years ago, twenty-one years ago to when we actually made it, uh, you know, working with Shatner. And yet making a movie with Bill Shatner was not nearly As awe-inspiring, as reconnecting (laughs) four years later with Rafe Nealman. And, of course, you didn't... Oh, well, Doug Drexler was talking about meeting Stephen Poe, Stephen Whitfield, yeah, Yeah. you know, uh, in the Voyager uh, um, art department, department, which was a remarkable story when we had Doug Drexler on the show.
2: Well, you know, I haven't even told you this. You told the story earlier in the podcast where you heard us talking on the... On the radio as you're driving your morning commute, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I met a guy. I was at a, a bar last week. And I talked to this random guy, mm-hmm. nice guy. I think he was a screenwriter. We start talking. Somehow we exchange information, and I get a text, a, a Twitter message from him. He goes. I was just listening to an audio book called The 50-Year Mission on his commute. Mm -hmm. And your name came up in it. And and he couldn't believe that. And I go, well, you know, my good buddy Mark Allman, we made a movie together. He wrote that book. And it's just funny to hear your tale about how you heard it on a commute. And this guy that I randomly meet, a young guy too, much younger than me, is listening to Star Trek, is listening to your book. Somebody random. And I think that there there is something about Star Trek that is it, it is eternal, it is it is immutable, it is lifelong, and it's something that grabs your soul. And once it's there, it never leaves. And uh, I've met more people through those things than random occurrences.
1: I think there. I think that the universe sometimes there are, there are, eddies, are eddies and currents, <laughs> and currents <laughs> that bring like-minded people together (laughs) Mm -hmm. for whatever reason for whatever end but it happens that way and you know my first experience in uh, college was the first sight of like-minded people who came to the same place Mm -hmm. for the same reason and because in in high school i had very few friends who were into the same thing as me yeah me too um and it was very isolating And uh, but once I, you know, once I felt that there were other, you know, other people like me, Mm. you know, um, that I didn't I didn't shun this feeling. I doubled down on
0: it. Right. Right.
1: And uh, embraced it. And that's the that's the way you got to. It's so
0: Richard Dreyfuss theories, you yeah. know. There's people who saw the call of uh, Devil's yeah, Tower. Encounters. And, yeah. you know, some people made it and other people didn't, but they built their mashed potato mountains and they, right. Right. you know, came and brought them, everybody together. Yeah. It's crazy.
4: This above all else, to that own self be true. That's correct. Right. That's right. Well, Otherwise, yeah. what, why, bother, no why bother? There's no point, yeah. Do you
2: think Star Trek is still relevant? Can it still be relevant the way it was to us as kids? Do you think that that kids today with with all of our social media and all of our technology do you th- still think that the that Star Trek can resonate because clearly unlike a lot of shows kids our age we were so affected by Star Trek it wasn't just some passive experience we internalized it so much and it meant so much i mean we learned we've talked about how our ideas of philosophy our ideas of love our ideas of friendship our justice. ideas justice Justice mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. and all of these things. I mean, Star Trek was really almost a religion for us kids yeah. at, right. the at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Is that
4: possible? Do you think for kids today in this day and age, with is... Star Trek in particular? Yes, could could kids... not the way it is. I don't think so. It, it start. Mm-hmm. It's too cerebral. I mean, I love it, and you know, I sit down every couple of days with my twelve year old, mm-hmm. and we watch an episode. And I had a whole onboarding pro- process for him. Trouble tribbles start. Obviously, get him hooked, <laughs> and then off to the races. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he he loves it, but you know he's also a, a kid of uh, superhero movies and sure. action and the 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 quick and easy resolution mm-hmm. and characterless blockbuster movies. Yeah, I hope I'm not offending anybody. Not at all. No. Here. Um, not here. So <laughs> you're at the right show. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, it, but also it's just it's a, it's a different era. I mean, we live in an era of of. Sound bites and tweets and filter bubbles and uh, massive special effects. And you don't have to work as hard to get somebody's attention because there's so much. We have. That's not right. It's. It's easier than ever to hook somebody in. You don't necessarily, if you're producing media, have the luxury of taking the long view and being cerebral and right. and, and appealing to, uh, you know, the better
0: nature or, or the difficult questions. I mean,
4: most... You're aiming stuff, to the lizard brain now. Yeah. Ex- thank you. Well but, put. But, you know, also <laughs>
0: I think that Star Trek fans uh, weren't the ones who had to wake up in 2016 and discover social justice and being woke. I mean, I think Star Trek fans... You know, back who grew up on the shows from the 60s were aware of these issues, you know, going back to the 70s, you know, yeah. because it was such a progressive show and, you know, all these values that Star Trek was dealing with through, through allegory and metaphor. And you can make fun of the, you know, right, black on the one side of the face and white on the other. But, you know, that's the one everybody points to, we've talked about. But there's so many great messages that Star Trek had. Absolutely. And I think it contributed us to all being so open minded and so mm-hmm. tolerant you know, through our whole lives.
4: Integrated crew, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. There
1: was just no question.
4: They, there was yeah. no quit- That was the way right. it was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, obviously, if the, if the future is going to be different, how is it going to be different? And it's going to be different in a way that is better. Yeah. Let's hope. Right? It should so, be. Right? Right. So what's one of the ways it can be better? That's one, and there are many others. Now,
2: have you admitted to your 12-year-old that you wrote a Star Trek trivia book He knows, knows i'm here. Yeah, oh, He knows you're here. <laughs> I was the
4: first person I told was like, hey, guess what happened when I was on the, po- on, on the commute today? Oh, my God. And <laughs> yeah. what does
0: your sister think? Because you're, you're visiting your sister while you're here. Yeah. What does she think about all this insane insanity?
4: She thinks it's cool. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's
2: you know. so funny. Because it, you're it is. You're in the <laughs> yeah. offices of the, the guy who produced Independence Day.
0: <laughs> and, right? you know, and and then you you know you, you you have a career now writing about tech and being involved yeah. in the tech industry. So Star Trek clearly was an inspiration on that for, we, for me and many other people. Some do people don't realize it, but it was. Yeah. Where where where, where, where do you think that um, you know obviously you know we talk about cell phones and all the inspiration mm-hmm. of Star Trek. Where do you think tech is is going in terms of a Star Trek future? I mean, what are we what are we looking at in the next? You know, what are going to be the big innovations and and, and that that seem Trekian in the next. You know obviously the tele- the transporter is nowhere uh <laughs> unlikely to ever be uh you know um uh, invented by uh can i just say Tim that Cook. there's
4: there's an episode i just i it's enterprise where there there's some transporter the trans, some transporter guy is trying to get his son out of some bubbly space mm-hmm. And they address the issue of the transporter being a a murder machine as just like, and people were worried about this, just the philosophical ramifications, which are silly. It's like, dude, yes, you can't just brush it off like that. (laughs) That is an issue. Right. (laughs) Anyway, um, well, my son's job, as I have told him, is to solve gravity. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, if you're going to accelerate ships to quarter of the speed of light in half a second, you've got a bit of a gravity problem. So he's got to fix that. That's his job. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, um, but I, I, what's really interesting to me is, and Star Trek talked about this, uh, got into this a lot, all the shows did in various ways, is um, AI, machine intelligence, um, sentient, The our, our machines that we can interact with on an emotional level. And if they are indistinguishable from from sentient beings. Right. Are they sentient? Right. That's an interesting. What is our question. responsibility to right?
1: Uh, uh, sentient life yeah. that we create. Yeah, right.
4: I, I actually, I, 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 one of my side uh, hustles is I, I write a uh, blog about technology etiquette. Mm. About wow, how just because it's fun, right? And I put on a persona, like a <laughs> mismatter's persona. It's like how you should treat other people when your communications are mediated by technology. And mm. one of the questions I, I ask is, do you have to be polite to Alexa?
0: Wow, that's a really great question, because I've asked that of my kids, too. I mean, I feel it's conditioning a whole generation to be rude, because it's just like, uh, Alexa, announce. Alexa, do this. Alexa, what's the weather? And you're never saying please. You're never saying thank you. And are you conditioning people to be rude? Wow.
4: It's an interesting question,
0: right? What's the answer?
4: Well, I had one answer, and then I thought about it, and I came up with the other answer. And Mm -hmm. the first answer is, teach your children that people are people and machines are machines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To, and you have to treat people as people and be nice to them. But a machine is a machine. And it doesn't need or deserve your emotional mm. in- investment because you're not going to get it back. But. Mm. Yet. But. yeah, This is a Dred Scott. So, right. Uh, you know. Uh, as these machines become smarter and smarter. Mm-hmm. uh and as they are programmed, or they program themselves through a, through deep learning and AI to react in a more emotional way, do you want to risk pissing off the United Airlines reservation bot? No, you really <laughs> right, don't. Right, right, right. <laughs> but all your
0: even have even been yeah.
1: even past that question, yeah. though, what does it hurt us to be courteous?
4: It doesn't hurt us at all. No, it doesn't. But it doesn't. But we we can't expect the same real emotional investment coming back to us. So courtesy, yes. But but we shouldn't expect that anyway. From ourselves? From each other? No,
1: from each other. You shouldn't expect anything from someone else. You should only be responsible for your output. And whatever comes back is lovely. But it won't be because you don't
4: deserve it. We should do an episode on that. Because
1: <laughs> that that's, that's
4: a very interesting way of... of that we could expand our minds, yeah. uh, most people don't live like that. Well, let me ask you yeah. this
2: then, since you brought this up. Why can't the way we treat Alexa be practice at how right. we should treat human beings in a situation where they can throw something back our way? The simulator, an emotional simulator. Yeah, sure. I mean, May- Alexa itself is asking us just by giving her a voice and a name, your you're, you're anthropomorphizing to a certain Alexa extent.
1: And if Alexa were programmed to respond positively to such things, right.
4: would that help people be better people? Maybe, maybe not. Or maybe it would program us to be as robotic as as the machines are or mm-hmm. as, as ungenuine as a programmed response is. And there's another reason, to, by the way, there's another reason to be nice to AIs is that sometimes when you think you're talking to an AI, you're actually talking to a person because that's how a, a lot of AIs mm. get trained mm. is they slot in a person. Hmm. In oh. Not with Alexa, but some of the But with Roomba, early- you don't realize <laughs> <it very laughs> There's a little brain in there, right? Little Mars attacks. That, that's, that's cr-
0: I mean, wow, that's so interesting. This um, went from being from a Star Trek trivia book to the deep... Philosophical this is what it's happened when deal. you spent
4: your life in Star Trek. That's, correct.
0: Yeah, right. that's you know? correct. You think a little more deeply about the world. I, and...
4: I wrote about startups for three years. Every day I'd interview some startup founder, and I'd write up my thoughts for Red Herring Magazine back in the day. Oh, yeah. And so every day I was meeting some insane entrepreneur who had this crazy idea, you know, that we're going to deliver pet food in a van or... Mm-hmm. Um, self-healing bridges or you know whatever so just i crazy idea after crazy idea that is what i what i did and it was the closest i could come i think to the future to star mm-hmm. trek is to seeing people who are trying to build it now
2: when when you did this do you have like peter Thiel on speed dial and go you're never going to guess what i heard did he did he like reach out to you go what kind of crazy ideas should i be looking at uh, do, do you have that network up in San
4: Jose? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people. This was so I started doing this column for, for called Catch of the Day um, in the first dot com bubble through ninety seven ish ninety eight mm-hmm. through through the bubble popping in late two thousand in two thousand two thousand one, and um, this was before blogging became a real thing. Mm-hmm. So I the email was sent out. Uh, it was sent out an email and it was really short and everybody could read it in like thirty seconds. So I heard that a lot of and the company I was working. For we did startup conferences, tech conferences, and everybody read the column. And these were the VCs and the entrepreneurs of Silicon Valley. So Mm -hmm. for a time there, it was like everybody read the column in the morning. And that was really freaking cool. Because just like when I was 13 doing the official Star Trek trivia book, I was, um, I'm not an entrepreneur and I'm not a venture capitalist. I was just a guy writing some thoughts after talking to interesting people and right. trying to psychoanalyze them and write down a, a couple of thoughts. And you fake that long enough, and eventually you start to get into the rhythm, and you, people s- give you enough feedback, and you start to get it more or less right. And it, it was really cool. It's really cool to be part of that community and kind of, at least in some small way, guide a part of the mm-hmm. conversation.
0: This is completely unrelated. Have you ever gone to a Star Trek convention? Oh, Yeah. You have so you go. Have you ever encountered not people lately. who know who you are, or have you
4: signed books or uh onesie twosies, But no, not right. not at a convention or anything like that. So that's yeah. about to change. Yeah, now nah, 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 you're
2: gonna be a rock star. Hello, Vegas.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never been. I've never been pulled over at a
0: at a, a Comic Con or Star Trek. See, convention James Cauley has yeah. to get him up to the sets in Ticonderoga. I Legendary think... Star Trek author Rave Needleman is in the house. Anything is possible. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> well, look, I, I, I cannot thank you enough. Not only uh, the fact that you heard the show and you reached out to us, not only the fact that um, you, you, you came down to the show, but you came down from, you know, you uh, flew down here to do the show. I mean, uh, the, and and it was such a delight and such a thrill to have you on and to be able to talk about this magnificent book that you wrote when you were 13 years old. Uh, came out in 1980, the official Star Trek trivia book. Um And, you know, all powerful, all knowing, but still have <laughs> mistakes in the book, which makes me feel better as an author who is st- suffering with mistakes in his book. They still, we told him to correct Jacqueline Lichtenberg. They got that wrong. And the audiobook is a nightmare. Um, <laughs> so I feel much better because I'm only a lowly human. Um, so this has been great. Is it, hasn't this been great? I've loved it. Uh, to
2: me, it's, you know, even with us, the, the the fact that we used this love of Star Trek and you produced something, mm. it, it made you make something. And I think that's one of the great things about the byproducts of Star Trek fandom is for whatever reason, it instills in people this idea that they need to go out and create. Mm-hmm. And it's based on this love of this show to share that. And, and this, I guess this might be the first example of,
0: of a young person doing so. Well, look, even, but no, because, you know, Stephen Whitfield was a huge fan and then you have... You know somebody like yes, Franz but Joseph. 13. No, no, that's true. But I'm saying it, it, there's a history of people yes. who were passionate, inspired Star Trek fans who yeah. went off and did things. This is you know another long guy's the youngest. He's the Wesley Crusher of uh, Star Trek authors. Um, you know, but look, like, I mean, I, you know, I, so there's another young man who's made quite a life for himself. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was doing Galactic Journal when I was ten. It's like I'm sure as, as kids, you you guys were making Super great movies and things. So we all were inspired as kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's remarkable that you know Ray. Uh, a published author, why, you know, at at, at, uh, at thirteen years old. I mean, it's 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 great. I mean, it's so funny. It's like when you talk about your dad. And I know nothing about your dad. You know, say he wrote philosophy books. I keep thinking of uh, uh, you know the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And uh the dad in that. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know mm-hmm. what your dad is Tony like Shalub. Tony yeah. Shalhoub. but oh, yeah. I keep picturing Tony Shalhoub. They Never a... make a movie. It's Tony Shalhoub is 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 uh you know uh Mr. Needleman. Yeah and yeah. forty
2: years later we're all here together now.
0: Right right, right. right doing this show. Isn't that great?
4: That's yeah. the crazy thing.
0: We were all in you know, you're in the Bay Area, yeah. you're in Seattle, you're, you're at that time you were were you in Chicago in or Chicago were you, by that You time, were in Chicago, I'm in New York. Mm-hmm you know and like here we are 40 years later and we're all sitting here
5: you know it's crazy it's crazy
0: and then John Kim who was the guest on that first show where we t- first started talking about Rave Nealman means nothing although I have to say I had the lunch lunch with uh, with him recently and I, see, I said you're not going to believe this he says what he he said, you know, when are you going to have me on the show again? I want to want to come back and talk about. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, bed. and and and, and, and uh, I said, you're never going to pay this, but but we heard from Rafe Nealman. Because no way, he couldn't, believe it. Uh, <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't believe it. So I mean, this is a really a uh, great show for us. Uh, hey, uh, uh, Bill, uh, how was the show for you? Beautiful,
5: great show, love
0: it. Okay, yeah, I, <laughs> I I I I don't know if he's telling the truth, but uh, we will take it. So um, Pennsylvania. That- Nice. You were in yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah, and, but I, I'm ten years older than you, so I was eleven or twelve. But you don't even have the book. You do You didn't buy the book. No, I mean I didn't
4: know the book. So, he, but I'll it. look for it. I'm going <laughs> to challenge Ray here for get my
0: own copy. Oh well, right now, had, but he said he lost the box with all the copies, so he has like two or three <laughs> copies left. <laughs> do you rate the last two or three copies? I don't know. Better be nice then. <laughs> Make them sound good. <laughs> anyway. Um. Thank you, Rafe. Thank, thank you. you, Rob, Darren. R- this has been an, uh, a very, very special episode of Inglorious Trexperts. And if you're a fan of this podcast, how could you not be a fan? Where else? Who else brings you the the wit and insight of <laughs> Rafe Needleman? Uh, you you may want to check out uh, Electric Surge's other podcasts, like the 4:30 Movie uh, every Friday and uh, Disco Nights on Sundays, which celebrates the Uh, Wide and Wacky World of uh, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, And, of course, Best Movies Never Made on uh, Mondays, which is a terrific new podcast about uh, filmmakers talking about the ones that got away, the movies they didn't get to make that they really wanted to make. So that's an awesome show. And uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, nay, love this podcast, um, (laughs) please rate us five stars in Apple Podcasts. I mean, if it went to 11, you could rate us 11, but it doesn't. But it should, and uh, you can follow us uh, at Inglorious Trek on Twitter or Inglorious Trexperts on Instagram. And you can pick up some fantastic Inglorious Trexperts uh, logo wear over at uh, on the web at Inglorious Trek or Inglorious Trek dot com, dot com. Um, Bill's wearing one of those shirts right now, and he looks very styling. If he wasn't married. Watch out, ladies, because he has an inglorious trek. Sorry, uh, girls, he's taken <laughs> on him. You know, we should tell Aaron about that <laughs> shirt. Uh, and <laughs> um, you know, so very special thanks to obviously to Bill, uh, Natalie, everyone here at Electric Surge Network uh, for making the show possible and indulging this insanity. Um, so until next Saturday, keep on trekking ingloriously, of course.